You ready to get into the Word of God? Me too. Uh, as you can see, we're starting a new series called Dropping the F-Bomb. And uh, kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that title. Uh, I, you might be wondering, what is the F that we're going to be studying? And, and I'll tell you right now, the, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about an F-word that it has the power to change our lives in a very big way. Um, and of course, the word I'm talking about is forgiveness. Forgiveness. So this is a, this is fundamental. This is elementary for us as believers. We've got to get this down. Um, and forgiveness uh, it, it changes everything. How many of here have been changed because of God's forgiveness in your life? Amen. Amen. And so forgiveness is one of the most important things that you and I can learn to receive and also to give out and to do. Um, Jesus said, "Unless you and I forgive others, we will not find forgiveness." for ourselves from the Heavenly Father. And so churches often talk about forgiveness. Uh, they tell you, you got to forgive. Um, you must forgive. But we don't often talk about how to do that. What's that process like? And, and so uh, we want to become, over the next few weeks, experts in dropping the F-bomb <laughs> uh, in people's lives, in our lives, in our family's lives, and as much as we can, because forgiveness is a powerful thing. Now, I'm going to give you a quick preview of where we're going to head over the next few weeks so that you can make some plans to um, next week, for example, we're going to look at um, and think about some of the biggest betrayals that happened in our lives. We're going to look at some of the times where people have really uh, done us wrong. And we're going to talk about how we can find the faith to forgive. Um, to forgive those painful things that have been done to us. And so that's next week's going to be heavy. Um, the following week, we're going we're to do this. We're going to talk about how we can forgive God. Yeah, um, maybe you're here this morning and um, you, you, you're disappointed with God. Maybe some things have turned out in your life, some things that he has done, or maybe some things that he hasn't done and you've got a grudge, or maybe you know someone that's holding a grudge um, against God, and uh, we're going to talk about how we can reconcile with our creator, how can we can drop that cold war that goes on between us sometimes and allow him back in our lives, how we can forgive God. Um, the last week, we're going to look at one that's probably the hardest one of all, and that is, is how do we forgive ourselves? I know a lot of people that really struggle with just allowing that, that monkey to get off their back and, and to walk forward and to receive that, and this is hard. And so we're going to talk about how we can put the F-bomb, drop the F-bomb in our own life, okay? So, but this morning, I want to ease into this a little bit. I, want, I don't want to hit you too hard. Um, I want to kind of, kind of navigate that. And what I want to look at today is how you and I can forgive the small offenses that often accumulate in our lives, you know, the things that just kind of pile up and little by little steal our joy and prevent us from receiving God's best in our life. Those little offenses that kind of are happening all the time. In fact, I'm just curious how many of you here would, would say that you know someone who is easily offended? Raise your hand if you know someone that's easily offended. Yeah, just raise your hand. Don't look at the person. Gosh, don't do that. They're going to get offended by that. They're going to like, are you talking about me? Are you talking about me? Uh, don't do that. Just look forward and say, yeah, I know somebody. Uh, <laughs> Um, if you don't know someone, some of you didn't raise your hand, if you don't know someone who's easily offended, you probably don't spend much time on Facebook, do you? Because, oh my gosh, uh, it's crazy. It's a jungle in social media. It seems like everyone is offended by someone or something on, on social media. Have you noticed that? It's just constant. Um, and so that, you know, uh, that's a place where we're seeing a lot of offenses. But maybe you have found yourself 
um, maybe recently or always, you, you get tripped up by little things. Things that are done to you or perceived slights really suck the joy from you and just, you, you're easily offended. And, uh, and, I, you know, and I know that we all have our issues. I mean, what sets you off? What, what, what gets you? You know, what, what trips you up? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe someone, you know, talks to you with a certain tone of voice. You know, they talk to you like a child and that just, or maybe, you know, someone rolls their eyes at something that you say and you see it. You know, it's a look sometimes. Or uh, maybe, maybe it bugs you when someone, when someone doesn't say thank you when you do something nice for them. Does that, does that bother you a little bit? Oh, that, oh no, that doesn't bother you, huh? Oh, that takes me moon. For example, one thing that gets me all the time is when I let someone cut in front of me in traffic and they do that, right? And they, and they don't even give me the courtesy wave, you know? I just need the little wave, right? I just need the little thank you, right? I mean, it's in the Bible. You must wave to your friend when you cut in front of them, right? Or, you know, I, I just, I, I'm like, they don't, they just cut in. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on, man, I just like you cut in. You'd still be stuck in traffic, man. Give me something. Give me a head nod or something. Flip me the bird. Do something. <laughs> I don't know what bothers you. Maybe it's when someone doesn't text you right back. You know, you text them something important. And, you know, and, you, and nowadays you can see that they're reading your text. The little bubbles going on in your face. You know, you're watching this and they're reading. And you're like, okay. And you're assuming that they're texting you. And all of a sudden it just goes blank. They're like out. It's like ghost. And you're like, oh, my gosh. They just. They just drop that. They don't even care. Oh, that'll take you to the moon. Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, we all have some things. It's so easy nowadays to be offended. Just easy. It seems like our world is, uh, is, a, is a world of perpetual and constant offense. Offenses. Um, people are so quick to judge. People are uh, always crying foul. That's not fair. That's not right. Um, you know, and we're just, all, we're quickly offended. It doesn't take a lot. In fact, this is a true story. Uh, uh, last weekend, uh, after church on Sunday, uh, Julie and I and the kids ran down to Denver to go to a Nuggets game. Uh, it was President's Day on Monday, so we thought, oh, we'll go do something fun in Denver. So we went to a Nuggets game. Uh, they're doing okay. And, and uh, oh, man, we left right after church, and I forgot that I-70 on a Sunday is not a place you want to be. How many? Oh, my gosh, man. Uh, that gets me, traffic, you know. And so, uh, and it was real stressful, real stressful. I mean, we we're there. It didn't look like we'd make the game at 6 o'clock. We left at like 2, uh, 1.32. And it was just stressful. And so I was amped out, you know, when I rolled in there. We got there 15 minutes before the game. And I was just kind of at a high alert, you know. I'd let a lot of people cut in front of me and no one freaking waved. And <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not in a good place. And I'm there. And we get there and we get our seats. And, and first quarter, someone makes a play, a real cool play, you know, and I decide to stand up and kind of celebrate it. It's been a while since I've been to a basketball game. So I'm like, yeah, stand up and celebrate. And all of a sudden I hear this voice, sit down. <laughs> now let me tell you, let me confess to you that your pastor, who last weekend after just preaching three messages on building loving relationships with other people, I heard that, and I turned around and said, well, why don't you try making me sit down? It was on. Fortunately for me, the guy who said that was chasing his little four-year-old down the aisle, telling him to please sit down. So I'm standing there like this, and I'm realizing, oh, 
disaster avoided. I didn't get thrown out of the game and uh, no one heard that. He didn't hear it, fortunately. And, but it revealed a truth. And that is, is that if we kind of go into a situation expecting to be offended, we're going to be offended. We kind of are already at that. In fact, here, I've got three truths for you today. Here's the truth. If I'm on a continuous search to be offended, I will always find what I'm looking for. If you're one of those people that just is kind of in the mindset that people hurt me, people are always getting me, people are doing that, you're going to be offended. You're going to be often offended. You're going to find offense. And man, the problem with that approach to life, it's miserable. You will never be happy. You will always be having the joy and the happiness sucked out of your life. In fact, I have never found myself saying, you know, something like this. Oh, boy, ever since I got offended today, this day has been great. You know, I've never, I've never said to myself, you know what, now that I'm bitter, I feel so much better. Right? I've never turned to my wife and said, honey, you know, ever since, you know, anytime one of us is holding a grudge against the other, our marriage is so much better, right? It's, a, it's awesome when we hold a grudge. It never, never. I don't know how to put it to you, but life stinks when you're constantly offended, when you're living with an offense, with a perpetual offended spirit. And so this is, this is something we need to wrestle with. And I want to help us get set free if we can. In fact, I want to repeat a, uh, another truth to you. I want you to repeat this to yourself. Put this up. Truth number two is this. It says, go ahead. There it goes. It says, my life is too short and my calling in God is too great to be offended by something so small. Wouldn't that be a good mantra? When someone says something kind of goofy or weird or they look at you or they cut you off in traffic <laughs> to go, you know what, my, my time on this planet is way too short and my calling in God, my purpose and my mission in life is too big to allow that to foul me up. Life is too short to be easily offended. Look at this. This is the verse that we're going to study, uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. We're going to jump into this and come back a little bit later. It says this, a person's wisdom yields patience, but it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. To overlook an offense, to get over an offense. In fact, that's the title of today's message is, I'm over it. I want you to say that right now. Say, I'm over it. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm over it. What you said to me on the way to church wasn't good, but I'm over it, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm over it. Now, we need to say that to ourselves. We need to just be quick to be over it. Um, now, it's one thing to say you're over it, and it's another thing to actually get over it. And so how do we get over those little small temptations to be offended and to hold grudges against other people? How do we do that? Well, it takes a lot of practice. Um, it takes some discipline, but I want to give you one big idea this morning, and then we're going to kind of uh, uh, play it out a little bit, unpack this on how we can apply it. How do we get over an opportunity to be offended? Write this down on your outline if you would. The big idea is this, is that we close the gap with love. We close the gap with, with love. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says this, hatred stirs up strife, but love conquers all offenses. Love is an antidote to offense. Love is the antidote to getting over and moving on and being, not getting caught up with offenses, with little offenses. 
love. Now, let me, let me explain what I mean by closing the gap with love. There is a dynamic that happens in every human interaction. You may have never noticed it, but it happens every time you have an interaction with another person. And here it is. The dynamic is this. There is a gap of time. There is a small little micro gap that happens between someone's actions or words and your reaction. There's this little split second, this little moment when someone does something. There's this moment of time where you and I get to interpret or must try to interpret what their actions or their words really meant before we act or react to that, right? In other words, there's an action, then there's a gap of time, and then there's our reaction. And the key is, is that you and I get to choose what we put in that gap. For example, if someone, while you were worshiping here this morning, shouted, sit down! <laughs> there is a microsecond of time where you get to put something in that gap before you respond. And, and, and it's a gap where you and I must interpret the meaning of that action or those words before we react. We get to interpret. And the problem is, is that most of the time, we're bad interpreters. You know, we're all bad at interpreting what's being said. I mean, how many of you, how many times in your life have you ever thought to yourself, wow, how, you said something to somebody and you're like, how in the world did they hear that when I said that? How many have ever had something misinterpreted? And you're like, I didn't mean that in a million years. Why, why would you think I meant that? Or you did something and you're like, you thought that I was doing that to you? That's not what, that happens. Why? Because we're all horrible interpreters. The little portion of our mind that interprets those actions is jacked up. It's fouled up. And you wonder, why is that? Well, uh, so, uh, communication experts, they call this thing, this phenomenon, the fundamental attribution error. Put that up if you would. The fundamental attribution error. And what that is, it's a bias that we all have that attributes our behavior, our own behavior, to our circumstances while we attribute someone else's behavior to their character. You see the difference? We do things because of things that are happening to us, but other people do things because of there's something wrong inside of them. You cut me off in traffic. I cut you off in traffic because, hey, someone cut me off. I, I, I had no other choice. I had to do it. My circumstances led that I had to cut you off. I'm sorry. You know, you should believe in that, right? But you, the reason you cut me off in traffic is because you're a big fat jerk, right? We have this bias. We don't take into account that there might have been uh, something going on. In other words, if I did something to disappoint you, I believe that I had a good reason to do it. The reason I had to do it. And, and you should give me a break because my intentions were good. My heart was right. You just misread that, right? But if you did something to disappoint me, it's probably because you've got issues, right? You've got, you're rude. You, you, you're, you're an idiot. <laughs> you need Jesus in your life. That's what we assume, right? Our bias, our personal bias affects our ability to interpret what's happening to us. And think about it. This is why if you ever go into Walmart, you know, and you have a little child, how many have a little, little boy or little girl? You go into Walmart and, and your little boy or little girl has, has, a, has a fit, you know, has a little meltdown, right? 
Well, there's, you know, and I know that there's a reason that little Throckmorton is having a fit right now, right? He's, he's, he's tired. He didn't get his nap today, or he didn't get his little snacks. He's hungry, and he's just upset, or he's just having a bad day, and he just needs some grace. That little boy just needs some grace, right? We know that. But when we see someone else's kid having a fit, we, we instantly think, oh, <laughs> those are bad parents, right? They got a little demon-filled terrorist in their life, and he's controlling everything. He doesn't need grace. He needs a spanking. We quickly fill in the gaps with the story because of the bias. Amen? That we all have this bias. The point I'm trying to say to you is, is that in every interaction, there is a gap. And we get to choose what we put in that gap. And the question is, is will you fill that gap with a good story? Will you fill it with a good scenario? Or will you fill it with a negative story? The truth is, is that most of us are predisposed by our nature to fill it with a negative story. So funny to me. Something happens. Someone shows up late. Someone's late for a meeting. I can come up with 10 reasons why they did it, and they're all negative. But it's hard for me to have to think and go, well, what's a good reason for showing up late to my meeting? It's hard. That doesn't come natural. Why is that? Well, um, you and I have an enemy. The Bible says that we have an enemy, and, and his name is Satan. Okay? And uh, one of his nicknames, this is interesting, one of the things that he's known for is he is known as the accuser. He is the accuser. He is constantly accusing. In fact, Revelations chapter uh, 12, verse 10, says this, that he is the accuser of our brothers and sisters, and he is constantly constantly throwing accusations at them day and night. He is constantly throwing negative junk. You're a bad monkey. You've blown it too big. No one's ever going to love you. You are not good. You're evil all the time. He's In fact, if you're hearing that voice right now, that's the accuser talking to you. That's not the Lord. That's the accuser, right? He is constantly accusing us. And here's what the enemy wants to do. He always is filling the gaps with accusations. And he wants us to do the same. He, he gives us a million ideas of why someone has done something a little strange to us. Oh, he's no good. Or, or she wants to hurt you. Or she's selfish. That explains why she's doing this. Or she's out to get you. You better watch out. Watch your back. Just constant accusations. And what do accusations do? They destroy they erode erase relationships. They split friendships. They destroy marriages. If your marriage is filled with both of you subliminally having accusations against the other person, filling in negative stories for why that person did this or why she said that and what's she up to, and you're filling it with negative stuff, your marriage is on the way down if that's where you are. And that's why when we get into a bad, bad place in our marriage, we've got to catch that because it can go off the rails quick because of those accusations. And it's the devil. The devil wants to fill the gaps with accusations. But God, God wants us to fill the gap with love. God wants us to fill the gap with love. Proverbs ten twelve again says, hatred stirs up strife. Put that up there. Hatred stirs up strife, but love Love covers all offenses. What does love do? Love always hopes. Love always trusts. Love always perseveres. 
Love always pushes forward. Love always believes the best in someone. If every time you look at me, you don't think of my best, you don't love me. There's not love. If I'm looking at you and I'm constantly thinking about all the negative things about you and I'm not having hope for you or I'm not uh, trusting you, that's not love. Love always hopes. It always trusts. It always perseveres. It always believes the best in the others. And so love will choose to interpret things that are going on differently. Love will help you and I to read things that are coming at us in a different way. For example, if my wife says to me, hey, um, did you take out the trash today? Um, The devil will try to get me to interpret this, that line this way. Hey, fat boy, why are you so lazy? Or something of that. What is she saying? We hear things that weren't even said. That's what the accuser does. But love would never say that. Love, if I remember that my wife loves me, I will go, wait a second. Ah, she's just wondering if I took out the trash. She's just wondering if, if she needs to do it, right? I get to choose how to fill in the gap. I talked to... Uh, Dr. Fabian this morning, he said an interesting thing happened to him up on the ski hill this week that just fits his perfect. He was skiing, and he heard a voice behind him. Don't stop. We're taking lessons. And so he stops, and he's like, did someone just tell me? Because he stopped. He stopped on the ski hill, and someone yelled at him, don't stop. We're taking lessons. You're impeding. And he turned around, and he's like, what? And they're like, yeah, don't stop. We're taking lessons. And his mind's like, I don't care what you do. I can do whatever I want, right? And he's, he's about to answer and, and, and bring it on, fight. And they're like, yeah, we just love watching you ski. We're learning from how you're skiing. Don't stop. We're learning lessons from you because you're a great skier. He filled in the gap quickly. And this is what we do. If someone doesn't respond to your text, the devil will tell you, oh, man, they're not a good friend. Anyway, she thinks she's too good for you. She's big time in you right now. But love doesn't say that. Love says, oh, she probably just got busy. She'll get back to me. Or maybe her phone died, you know. But my, she's a good friend. She'll get back to me as soon as she's finished. That's what love does. Love um, makes room for more than the negative scenarios that we imagine. It makes, allow, it makes room for a good story. In fact, look at what Paul said in Ephesians 4.2. Uh, he said, be patient with each other. Oh, this is huge. Isn't it interesting? When Paul described love over in Corinthians, he said that love is several things. He mentioned it. He defined love. And what was the first word that he used to define love? Patient. I would have thought love is, is little, little rose petals. This is love. Love is puppy dogs and hearts and flowers and little chocolates and kisses. Paul said love is patient. Well, that's not very sexy. That's not very romantic, but that's how you love. If you're impatient, you're quick to fill in the blanks negative. You're quick to respond to somebody back. That's not love. So Paul says, be patient with each other, making allowances, creating more space, creating more room for other stories, for other scenarios, for what's going on. For each other's faults, and I look at this, and you do this because of your love. You make room for others because of your love. And where does our love come from? 
the originator, the author, the inventor of true love. We love because he loved us first. And his love is always making room for you and I. God is always making allowances for our weirdness, our goofiness. If he wasn't, we'd all be dead meat right now. But he, he makes allowances. He's given us space. He's given us grace. That's what love does. It makes allowances. We should fill the gap with love because God's grace has made allowances for us. Amen? And sometimes you and I just need to remember that someone else's behavior isn't about us. Sometimes what someone is doing has nothing to do with you, right? Their bad driving isn't about you. Maybe they just spilled a little coffee and they did this. It's not about them affronting you. We're quick to think that. Their bad mood, you run into someone that's just not in a great mood and they're not very friendly. That's not about you, right? Maybe they use a tone of voice in a way that maybe that has nothing to do with you. Maybe maybe they're just having a, a difficult day. What? Yeah, maybe today hasn't been a great day for them and they're having a tough time. And so we can make allowance for that and say, you know what? Maybe you're just having a rough day. You want other people to give you the benefit of the doubt when you're not living up to the snuff. Why wouldn't we do that for others? You know, some of you might be going, well, Pastor Troy, what, what if someone does something rude to me on purpose? I know that they did this. What if someone is intentionally mean or harsh or hateful to me? What should you do then? The same. You, <laughs> you can still fill in the gap with whatever story you choose to fill. And perhaps you could fill that gap with, with an idea of, you know, I wonder... I wonder what they're going through right now that would cause them to react to me that way. Maybe they've gotten some terrible news today. Maybe they got some, something terrible's happened to them. Maybe there's just some bad news and they're rough, you know. One thing I often do is try to remember that hurt people hurt people, right? Porcupines are prickly, <laughs> and I need to be careful. And there are people that have been hurt, and their defenses are up, and they're just, they're gonna, they're just going to do that. And so I need to make space for that. Perhaps someone has been used and abused in their life, you know, and they're just hurting. And I just happen to cross their path. You know, here's my point. Just like I can choose to be offended by something, I can choose to have compassion on somebody and make allowance for them because of my love, because of the love that's been given to me and the love I can give to them. Amen? My point is, is if you always put accusations in that little gap that you have, you will always be offended. You will always be carrying a grudge. You always have a chip on your shoulder. And let me tell you what happens to that. It becomes obvious to everyone. Your face won't be able to hide your offense that you've been carrying. You don't believe me, go, go, to, go to Casey's Pond, and I'm not asking you to judge people, but just you know what I'm talking about. You can look at people for years, and you can see these kind of faces. Or you can see these, uh, they got no teeth, but they see you, they don't know. You can tell when a life has been lived with offenses, and it's starting to happen already on our faces right now. Amen? We got to be careful about this. 
But if you'll put love in the gap, if you'll practice putting love in that little gap and loving first rather than defending yourself, holding on to what you got, allowing your insecurities to take over, you'll have a much better life, much more peaceful, much more joyful, happy life, I promise you. Proverbs 19.11, look at this. Let me, let me close with this thought. There's something else in this verse I think is worth looking at. It says this, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It, we are glorious when we choose to overlook an offense. We are probably never more like our Heavenly Father than when we overlook an offense because he does that a lot, right? We're, we're glorious when we do that. Now, how do we overlook an offense? What does that mean, Troy? How do we really, how do, how do you get down to that? That's a good question. I would suggest to you, it's not the same thing as pretending it didn't happen. Oh, la, 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 I didn't just see you do what you just did. Don't, that's not the same thing. Overlooking an offense is not that. You might write this down. Overlooking an offense is making a conscious decision to let it go. Now, that's the key word. Overlooking an offense is making a conscious decision to let it go now. It is forgiveness in real time, right? It's forgiving right now, right? In other words, I'm not going to pick up this offense, this thing that you just did, the way you looked at me. I'm not going to pick that up and carry it for three weeks and ruminate over it. And then after all of that, decide, you know what? I'm just going to forgive you. No, no, no. What I'm going to do in this moment right now is I'm going to make a decision to let it go. To let it go. To get over it. In fact, the Hebrew word here for overlook is interesting. It's avor. Put that up there if you would. Avor. It means this. To pass over. Which is by a Jewish concept that they understand in a deep way. It's a very important thing to understand Passover. Right? To fly over. But I like the word, I understand, jump over. To jump over. What does that mean? To jump over. Instead of dwelling on an offense and magnifying it and replaying it over and over in your mind again, we can choose to pass over. We can choose to jump over it. Imagine with me for a moment if offenses were basically like mud puddles, which is kind of what they are. These things that get up in front of us on, on our journey and they're big and muddy and they're wet and they're a mess and we come to one of them and we can choose to do two things. We can, number one, step into the mud puddle, right? Oh, splash, oh, right? What, you know, or we can play in the mud puddle. Some people are really good. They boo, 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 right? We can do that with the offense or we can do this. Oh, you don't have to jump like a lady or you can. <laughs> Some of you just got offended that I said jump like a lady. Here's an opportunity for you to jump over <laughs> something. I didn't mean that. You don't have to jump like, like this. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you come to an offense and you can jump over it. Or, or you come to a fence, someone has done something, they looked at you, they said something, and you can jump in it. And for the rest of your day, you'll be walking around with cold, wet, muddy shoes. You'll be carrying that offense with you the rest of the day. Now, why in the world would you choose to do that? When you could <laughs> jump over, amen? 
<sighs> it's our choice. It's your choice. You don't have to get offended. God just freed up some of us. We think that there's no choice, but there is. There's a gap, and we can choose to fill that. And I'll tell you one of the things that will help you make that choice is when you begin to walk with an awareness of your purpose and calling in God. If you'll begin to walk and understand, I'm not on accident. I'm not on this planet by accident. God has destined me. I'm a person of destiny. He has something for me. He has a calling for my life. There is greatness ahead of me. Why would I spend one minute in this mud puddle when just around the corner there is somebody that's going to need my help? I am the answer to their prayer. I'm about to bring a miracle on this thing right here or I can stand in this mud puddle. I didn't mean to get so upset about that. But if someone attempts you with an offense, you can jump in that. Or you can say, no, 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 no. <laughs> my purpose in life is too big <laughs> to let this drag me down. My calling in God is, is, is too important for <laughs> this to trip me up and to hold me back. Because I know there's something on the other side of this that I'm supposed to accomplish. I'm not going to get caught up in that. You know what? I'm over it. I'm over it. You know what? If I read something in Facebook, you know, someone posts a snarky thing about my sermon, I'm over it. I'm getting over it. Okay, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting over it. You know, I'm over it. I'm just going to jump over that. Ah! Someone, co-worker doesn't invite me to the party. I'm over it. My, my mother-in-law hints that I'm not a good parent. I'm over it. <laughs> Why? Because my wisdom yields patience. It gives me space to maneuver. I don't have to react. I don't have to get caught up in this. Life is too short to get stuck in this mud puddle. Imagine for me, with me for one minute, if Jesus forgot his calling and his mission and his purpose and allowed offenses to trip him up. Imagine Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount thousands of people there and he's preaching this wonderful sermon and he's preaching this sermon about God's love and the kingdom of God and how there's a new thing that's happening right and then he gets done and they're walking down the hill and they're headed down to the sea of Galilee thousands of people are there they're rolling down and he runs up to Matthew puts his arm on Matthew and says hey man while I was giving that message I could swear I saw you sleeping were you sleeping during my sermon I mean, this is the most important message I've ever given. This is, this is foundational. This is everything that we're about, man. This is the big one. And I could swear I could hear you snoring, Matthew. This hurts, man. That hurts. That cuts deep, bro. Can't believe you do that. And Jesus stomps off and stomps away. And the feeding of the 5,000 never happens. Or maybe Jesus another day is walking up to Bethany and this woman named Martha comes running out to him. And she's like, Jesus, Jesus, where have you been? If only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus is like, whoa, wait a second. Did you just say, did you just say that your brother is dead because of me? Did I, I mean, did I just hear you right? I've walked three days to get here. And did you just blame me for your brother's death? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. I'm out, I'm out, I'm going home. And then he stomps away. And Lazarus is never raised from the dead. 
Now, it's hard for you and I to imagine that would ever be possible. Why? Because Jesus never allowed any of those little offenses to pull him down. He never let that happen. He never acted that way. Do you know why? Because his calling and his mission and his purpose in his life was so forefront that he would make the choice quickly. He's like, I'm jumping over that one. I got bigger fish to fry. I got some stuff that needs to be taken care of. And if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. I'm letting that go. Right? He was aware that his purpose was too big to allow little offenses to pull him down. And my friend, the same is true for you and I. I don't know if you've noticed, but Jesus ain't here anymore. He went back to heaven. And he laid it all in our laps and said, if this thing is going to happen... If the kingdom of God is going to be established on this planet, it is now you. I hand you the keys to the car. You got to get it done. And if you don't do it, there's no plan B. And you and I, every single one of us, have a calling and a purpose and a mission in life that God is calling us to, something greater. And if we consistently get caught up by little offenses, getting pulled into stuff and dragged down, we are missing what God has got placed in front of us. Amen? We need to remind ourselves of this truth. And this is the last one. Put that up, all three of them, if you would. The calling ahead of me is always greater than the offense behind me. Have that conversation with yourself. Go, that, that kind of hurt. That wasn't nice. But you know what? God's got bigger things for me. I'm not going to hang back here. I'm going to jump over that, and I'm going to move forward. The calling, my calling ahead of me is greater than the offense behind me. God has called you and I to greater things than being offended all the time. He has big plans for our lives, and if we constantly bite the cheese, fall for the thing, and get trapped, we will never see some of these things happen. In fact, some of you are wondering why you're not seeing certain prayers answered. My sense is, is that you keep getting tripped up with little offenses, and you keep missing this connection that God has thrown the answer to your prayer to you and you're headed down direction. It looks like it's going to be this long bomb, this incredible touchdown play. And then someone offends you and you go this way and the ball hits the ground and it rolls off. I have a feeling that someday we're going to stand in heaven and watch the life that could have happened in our life. And we're going to see all these opportunities where you and I got messed up because of these little offenses and we missed something great. Oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. Easily offended people never reach their potential. We need to fill the gap. We need to f- purposely fill the gap with love. You and I are called to rise above these little things. We're called to pass over them, to jump over them. But I know the truth is that sometimes we get caught into these little things and we get offended and we get stuck in them. And you know what happens when you get stuck there? No one wants to be around you. And all of a sudden you're wondering, why aren't people talking to me? Why, why where are all my friends at? And you know what you'll do? You'll do this. You'll begin to look for friends, and guess who you'll find? Birds of a feather. Other people who are offended. And then you'll decide to get a little connect group together. Let's start a connect group. Hey, Pastor Charlie, we're starting a new connect group. Really? Tell me about it. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, we're going to get together, and we're going to ruminate about all the bad things that have been done to us by everybody else. Doesn't that sound fun? You want to come be a part of it? Uh, No, thank you. You need to step out of that connect group. You need to step out of that whole mode. Because you're missing what God has for you. God wants to fill our lives with good stuff. I've got a calling and a purpose. 
And it's too big to allow the little things to prevent me from accomplishing. I need to step out of that. I need to step over those things. And I love this last thought. It is to my glory. It is to my glory that I overlook offenses. When I overlook other people's offenses, I am doing what God is doing for me. And he loves that. He's like, that's my child. God is choosing constantly to fill our gaps with love, with hope, with trust, with grace. If we could just do that, we would have a much happier and more peaceful life and more productive life. I believe that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us fill those gaps. Father, um, I just, I just prayed for us, God. Um, we live in some perilous times. It's crazy. It just seems like everybody's offended. In fact, I think the Bible says somewhere uh, that in the last days, people will be easily offended. That one of the signs that Christ's return is near is that people are easily offended. O-M-G. Wow. It's, it's around us. It's constant. And, we're, and, and, and it tells me that there's a spirit that's behind this. And I pray that you would help us recognize when that spirit is messing with us, when that spirit is knocking on the door of our heart saying, let me in, that we would reject that spirit of lies and offense and we would choose a spirit of love. We would ask the Holy Spirit. In fact, I pray right now, all of us, right where you are, I encourage you, pray that the Holy Spirit will come into you. The spirit of love and the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and that you would be able to fill the gaps in your life, those weird conversations, those weird interactions with people that are maybe difficult or odd, that we would fill them with, with, with love and joy and peace and patience for them. We'd make allowances for it. In fact, Jesus, right now I pray, Holy Spirit, I invite you to shampoo my brain, <laughs> to scrub out all the, the negative scenarios that are just filled my head, all the insecurities, all the ghosts that I see, all the weirdness. I pray that right now you would scrub that out and that you would replace it with your thoughts and with your love and how you see people, how you have the ability to see the best in people, not the worst, how you have the ability to believe the best and that often by you doing that, it brings out the best in others. God, help us to not be a part of this offended world, constantly offended about everything, the government, all of this stuff that we just step back from that and that we see the best in people and love them. Help us to fill the gaps with love. Help us to make that a discipline. We need your help, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.